first week, when we were talking about freedom, we talked about freedom from, from uh, comparing. And the next week, freedom from unforgiveness. And the next week, freedom from sickness. All those are archived on our webpage. You can go and watch them. This week, I want to talk about depression and a freedom from depression. And I want you to know right out the gate that you can be a good man, a very good woman, and still be struggling or find yourself in a bad place emotionally. And we're going to use the, the, the prophet Elijah to see his life. Elijah was a very good man, a very spiritual man, a, ve- a man that was used of God in some really supernatural and, and, and significant ways. In fact, when Jesus transfigured on the mountain, you remember he took the few of his disciples up there? It was Elijah and Moses who showed up. So he's no lightweight. I mean, this guy, but yet Elijah found himself in a very bad place emotionally. Today, I want to talk about how he got there and how do you get out of it. And here, here's the story, 1 Kings 19. Now, Ahab told Jezebel, Ahab was the king of Israel. He was the 19th consecutive king that had done evil in the eyes of the Lord. So Ahab, and in fact, Ahab was more wicked than any other of his predecessors. He, he did more immorality, more idolatry, more, more, more demonic stuff than anybody else. And he told Jezebel, Jezebel was his wife. And if you thought Ahab was bad, Jezebel made Ahab look like Barney Fife. I don't know if you know, does anybody know Barney Fife? I grew up watching the one bullet deputy. Je- Jezebel, if you don't know Barney Fife, then he made him look like Barney the dinosaur. dinosaur. Maybe that helps you better. But, but it, my point is Jezebel was so much worse than Ahab. And everything that, and so Ahab told Jezebel everything that was going on and, and, and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. And again, many of you know, some of you don't, so let me catch you up, that they were trying to prove and discover and discern who was the real God. And so Elijah summoned all the prophets of Baal and Asher to Mount Carmel. And, and he said, hey, let, there were 750 of them. Hey, let's, let's do this. You build an altar and you call, whoever's God sends fire down from heaven is God. And then, and, and we'll see, we'll, this is how we'll determine. And so these false prophets build this altar, sacrifice this sacrifice, cut themselves, dance around, shout, holler, scream from morning to night with no response. And Elijah starts to belittle them and bicker with, not bicker with them, but make fun of them. Where's your God? Where, has he gone to the bathroom? What, what's it, where, where is he? And finally, Elijah said, get this sacrifice out of here. He rebuilt the altar. He put his sacrifice on it. He dumped it with buckets and, and gallons and do, uh, doses of water, were so much so that, that water filled the entire trough, the entire little trough around it. And then he just prayed a simple prayer. God, declare your power and show your, your supremeness over all these other gods and send fire down from heaven. And poof, here, I mean, the altar just imploded, exploded like a bottle. I mean, just went up in smoke. Everybody that was in, in the audience bowed down and worshiped the God of Elijah and declared that he's the true God. And Elijah was so full of the, the, the power of God that he got a sword and he was able to, to kill all the false prophets. He destroyed every prophet. And so, so Ahab tells Jezebel what happened on Mount Carmel. And Jezebel, she, you remember, she's worse than Barney Fife, worse than Barney the dinosaur. dinosaur. She gets a message to Elijah. 
And she says, may the gods deal with me. Well, what gods? The little gods, the gods that just got destroyed, the gods that just got proven that they were false and no good. May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. Like one of who? Like one of the false prophets that you just killed with the sword. I'm going to do the very same thing to you. Now, Elijah had just, I mean, it was a great victory. You would have thought he just stood up to to hundreds of false prophets. Surely he can stand up to Jezebel, but something happens to him and he gets afraid and he runs for his life. Discouragement comes over him. And then it says, and when he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the desert. He came to a brown tree, sat down under it, and he prayed that he might die. He got so depressed that he wanted to die. There, there, are, there are at least four, and I'm not, I'm not the expert on this by no means, but I, there are four levels, four stages of depression. The first one is downcast. Downcast has to do with circumstances. It has everything to do with what's going on around you. So you get a call from your, your kid's teacher, and they say he's not doing good in school. He's not getting along with his friends. He's, he's, I'm going to have to send him to the principal's office, send him a note home. And so you get a little downcast. There's, it's just a little bit, I mean, it's just a bad day. It's not, it, he's, you know, he's going to get better. It's just circumstantial. But if you're not careful, it can slide into discouragement. And discouragement goes from circumstantial to outlook. And all of a sudden, hey, my kid just didn't have a bad day. He's a bad kid. And he's always going to act like this. And I'm always going to be dealing with teachers, and he's not going to learn properly. And so there's just this discouragement that comes on you that that it's just not a bad day. It's a bad month. It's a bad year. And then if you're not careful, it can slide into depression. And depression is, is unlike the other two where it's like this dark cloud that won't seem to lift. Like, I can't get through this. I, this isn't circumstantial because everything even seems to be going pretty good right now. This is, a, this is a heaviness that I can't get out from under. Depression is described or are defined as a mood disorder characterized by extreme stress, poor concentration, sleep problems, loss of appetite, feelings of guilt, hopelessness, and helplessness. One in five Americans, adult Americans, are either on or have been on medication to deal with depression. And, 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 and the fourth is despair. Despair is everything's wrong. Nothing's going to get better. In fact, I would be better off and those around me would be better off if I just died, if I took my life. And in fact, 40,000 per year in America take their own life. It's the third leading cause of death for those ages 15 to 24. It's the second leading cause of death for those ages 24 to 35. One person commits suicide every 16 minutes in America. And I just want you to know, you don't have to die to end your pain. Nobody's going to be better off if you take your own life. You included. And you need to know this, you're not the only one. Again, the enemy's plan, his ploy, is to get us isolated and think, I'm the only one that feels like this. And you're not. I mean, you can be a great man, a great woman, and still find yourself in a bad place emotionally. There, just not long ago, there was a report of a pastor who took over a, a mega church for his daddy and, and was doing extremely well. They were in a season of growth, and they were, turn, they were really changing their city. And he had a beautiful wife and three, three, three healthy, 
awesome kids, and, and he ended up taking his life. And, and why? Be, because he was sick. And, and I need you to know, sickness is not a sin. We need to, we need to remove the stigma and, 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 and quit making like depression is, is something other than it's not. And if you need help, you need to get help. Sometimes it can be neurologic. That word, neurological, is that the word? That, that big word. It can, be, it can be mental. It can be you're not, your ability not to, to deal or get through a past hurt or a past abuse. And I'm not a professional. And, and I'm not here to, I don't want to give you a simple solution to a complex problem. You need to hear that. You need to know that today. If you, let's, let's take off the mask. Let's, let's peel back the Band-Aid, let, let's remove the stigma, and if you need help, if you're under a dark cloud that won't go away, there's probably a good, you need to talk to somebody that can help you professionally. However, I do know that God's word is not silent on this struggle. Elijah wanted to kill himself. Jeremiah was, was always in a funk. He was known as the weeping prophet. David openly shared seasons of depression and despair. I've said this two or three times now, but I want to say it again. You can be spiritual. You can be godly. You can love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and still find yourself in a bad place emotionally. So today I want to talk to you about how did Elijah get into it and how are you going to get out of it? So the first thing, if you're taking notes, Elijah got into depression because he was living at a frantic pace. If you, if you want to be depressed, discouraged, despair, live at a frantic pace. Go, go, just go, 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 go. Elijah emotionally was just exhausted. He, he'd been in spiritual warfare, and, and he battled these problems. I mean, he was just drained emotionally. Uh, spiritually, he, he, he needed refueling. He needed recharging. Physically, he'd been going without break. Do, do you know you weren't created to live at the pace which our society tells us is, is right? You can be conformed to the pattern of this world which says go, 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 or you can be transformed by the renewing of your mind and live according to the principles laid out in Scripture. God worked for six days, and on the seventh day, he rested, not because he was tired, not because he was weary, but he wanted to give a model for us that we were to, to make a Sabbath a, a real priority in our life, that we were to step away and get along. Some of you, the best thing you can do today after church and jump on the bounce house and get a barbecue sandwich is take a nap, is just go home and sleep. I was at the gym not long ago, and there was a woman running on the treadmill and, and, and you think donuts are bad for you. Exercise can be dangerous. And she had cranked the, the treadmill up to an ungodly pace. And she was just getting it. And she looked away somehow and she lost her balance. And she, it, she slipped right off of it and it threw her off of that thing. And she immediately jumped up and she looked around. And I was like right behind her. And I put my head down real quick because I didn't want her to think I was looking. But I kept looking out of one eye because I wanted to see what was going to happen. And she... She jumped back up, and, and she jumped back on the thing while it was still going at this pace that nobody should have been running on in the first place. And she put one foot down and the other foot down, and it kicked her off and slung her into the stationary bike behind her. And that time, she didn't get up. 
That's sometimes how we live our life. It's frantic. It's go, it's go, it's go, it's go. I'm telling you, that's not how God created you. That's not how God made you. So, so you can live at a frantic place and you can find yourself in a bad place or you can make a, so what's the remedy? What's the, what do I do? Here's what the Bible says. Come to me, Jesus said. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. The best thing I can teach you, the, the most important thing I can remind you, the, 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 the encouragement, that the greatest thing I can do for you is to help you to spend time with the Lord on a regular basis, to come to Him. To, you know what we do when we are weary and burdened? We, we take a vacation to Disney World, and we, we stand in an hour and a half line for a 10-second ride in 110-degree weather and buy a $7 bottle of water to get rested up. You might make some memories, but you won't be rested. I'll guarantee it. Jesus said, come to me, all who are, here's what you need to do. You need to find a quiet place every day. Jesus was in the habit of going to a quiet place early in the morning and spending time with God. Some of you are not morning people. Some of you are midday people. Some of you are night people. Some of you are no, some of you are just going to have to be super creative and find some time. Jesus did it early in the morning. And here's what I encourage you to take. Take your Bible, whatever, whatever, however you use it, on your iPad, your computer, the Bible app, paper, whatever, paper Bible, whatever you use. Take your devotional. Take your journal. Write down thoughts. Get a plan. What are you going to read through? What are, what are you doing spiritually just to feed your soul? You don't want to, you don't want to end up in a, in a, in a place an emotional place that's not good for you. And again, I know some of you are doing this and you've still wound up there. And, and I'm not trying to give you a simple solution to combat. I'm trying to tell you if you're, if you're downcast, if you're discouraged, the greatest thing I can teach you is to get alone with God and turn on some worship music and spend time in his presence. When you start to, to, to meditate on God's word and, and spend time, your thinking changes Less about your problems and more about his power. Less about your situation and more about his sovereignty. Less about the circumstances and more about the fact that he's in control. Stress drains out and, in, and his power fills you up. Here's what he said. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He doesn't grow tired and weary and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary. And increases the power of the weak. Even young people grow tired and weary. Young men stumble and fall. None of us are, are outside the parameter of getting weak, of, of, of finding ourselves in a place. Emo- Again, we can be very spiritual and still be emotionally not as healthy or strong as we should be. But they are, God intends us to be. But they that wait upon the Lord, they that spend time in his presence, will renew their strength. And I'll just tell you this. When you're depressed, when you're discouraged, you don't want to go in the presence of God. You, you have to fight. It's an act of your will. It's, 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 and sometimes it's not a delight. Sometimes it's just got to be a di- discipline. I'm going to do it because God wants me to do it, because he wants to sow into my life, because he loves me and cares about me. The Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings as eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. If you if you want to if you want to end up in depression, live at a frantic pace. But the antidote for that is to to seek God, to spend time with Jesus on a regular and a daily 
daily basis. Here's another thing I want to tell you. You want to fall into depression, isolate yourselves from others. That's what Elijah did. He, he went a day's journey, and then he left his friend and went another day's journey because that's what you want to do when you're depressed. You don't want to be around people. I think one of the reasons is because some of us throw pity parties for ourselves, and we don't want anybody showing up with cupcakes. We, we want, we, not we want, we, we just, you just don't, you mostly you don't want to be with anybody. That's the worst thing you can do. You've got to, again, just like you don't want to spend time with Jesus necessarily, you've got to push in and, and be able to, to be around people. If you're the only one who knows your secrets, you're in trouble, Listen, you don't have to tell everybody, but you got to tell somebody. Here, here's what we have determined at Clover Hill. We're going to make room for life-giving relationships. We're going to make room for them. We're busy. we got a lot going on. But because we're better together, we're going to get with some people on a regular basis and take down our mask and, and let down our guard and share. You know what today is about? It's not about wearing a jersey, supporting your favorite team. It's not about barbecue. If you want barbecue, I'm sure, I mean, it's good, and the price is really right today. It's a good price. Y'all know that, right? It's a good price. But if you wanted good food, you could, I mean, better, you could probably get it somewhere else. It's not about the food. It's about rubbing shoulders. It's about connecting. It's about being together. It's about, it's about Ecclesiastes. Two are better than one. Because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. I I want you to know, man, this isn't like pie in the sky. You ought to do this. This is how God created you. He created me to connect with him intimately and connect with others relationally. to 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 live life in the context of community. And our, and our pace and our, and our attitude sometimes don't allow for that. And, and I'm just telling you, God's word, God's word is the remedy for the, often the things that, for everything that we're dealing with and struggling with. If two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. And a cord of three strands is not easily broken. That's why we put so, emphasis, so much emphasis on small groups. We're not a church with small groups. We're a church of small groups. We want you to worship collectively and celebrate together in rows, but we want you to do life in community in circles. We want you to be involved in one another's life, again, because we're better together. And can I just say this? Don't wait till you're in a bad place to find a friend. Find a friend now. And you know this. How do you find a friend? Be a friend. There's, there's a few guys in my life that, that I can call anytime any place concerning anything, and I can share with them what's going on, and there's no judgment, there's no condemnation, there is confrontation if needed, and they will speak to the issue, but I know they'll pray for me, and so there have been seasons where I have been downcast, where I have, where I have been depressed, where, where my outlook, I'm just not thinking straight, and maybe we had a bad Sunday, and I'm thinking every Sunday's been bad, and they've been able to speak into my life. We need that. We desperately need that. So again, I'm just encouraging you, get in a small group, get in some community, not, not with just people, but people who have your values and share your perspective and have your worldview, not just to hang out, though that is important, but to, to, to grow and build each other spiritually. 
Here we go. Can you, can you hold on to two more points if you're taking? Here's another thing. Focus on the negative. If you want to be discouraged, depressed, just focus on the negative. That's what Elijah did. Elijah went to a cave and he was hiding out and God said, Where, what are you doing here, Elijah? Why, I, just, I just conquered all these prophets of Baal. Why are you running from this woman? What are you doing? And Elijah replied, and, and I, I just, I, just, I kind of pictured in a whiny voice. And I, I'm, not, I'm not even good at voices, but if it was, it'd be whiny. I'm not even going to try to do it. But you just imagine, I've zealously served the Lord God Almighty. And that was true. He really had. I mean, he had been faithful to his calling in the midst of a lot of temptation, tribulation, uh, persecution. He really stood up for the Lord. Uh, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you. And they had. I mean, that's not a lie. It's true. They torn down your altars. And it, when I say be, you can focus on the negative, I'm not, I'm not saying you, you, you don't look at really what's going on and you're not honest in assessing your situation. I, Elijah was. And, and he killed he killed every one of your prophets. And now everything was true up to there, but, that, but that's not true. And, and he said, I'm the only one left. That's not true either. Here's what Elijah's saying. I'm the only one who really cares. I'm the only one who's trying to make a difference. I'm the only one that's really living life the way it should be lived. I'm the only one left, God. And now they're all trying to kill me. And now they want to destroy me. I'd just be better off dead. And God stops him. And says, Elijah, wait a minute, you're not the only one. There are 7,000 others that have not bowed their knee to bow or turned their back on me. There are 7,000 others that are still seeking me and still praying to me. And, and I, I, here's what can happen. We can begin to think my marriage is never going to be restored. Or we can declare that nothing is impossible with God. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to, to, to put just on this this, this ad, I mean, my mayor, we don't get along, things aren't well, but we can focus on that or we can say, God is able to do what I'm, not, uh, what I'm not able to do. We can focus on the fact or begin to think, well, my kids are never going to come back to Jesus or we can stand on the promises of God that say God's not willing that any should perish. We can say my life is never going to get better or we can declare, I know the plans you have for me, declares the Lord, plans to prosper me and not to harm me. We can declare I'm stuck in this dead-end job, or we can stand on God's promises and say, I'm going to trust in the Lord with all my heart and lean not on my own understanding. I'm going to acknowledge Him in all my ways, and He's going to direct my past. We can say, I'm going to be in this sick body forever, or we can declare by His stripes, we are healed. Replace the lies with the truth. Don't focus on the negative. Stand on the promises. And I'll, I'll tell you this, you're better off than you think you are. You say, what are you saying, Pastor? You, do, you haven't walked in my shoes. You don't know my story. I'm depressed. I'm discouraged. I'm in despair. I've got cancer. I've got an addiction. I'm a single mom without much help. Why would you say you're doing better than you think? Because you're in church this morning. You're in the presence of God with the people of God. You're not in a funeral home. You're not in a rehab. You're not on a street somewhere. You know, gee, Satan is the accuser of the brethren. Let me be the, the, the encourager of the brethren today. Yea, though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, don't fear any evil, for God is with you. You can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. If God be for you, who can be against you? Nothing can separate you from the love of God that's found in Christ Jesus, your Lord. When the enemy comes in like a flood, God has promised to raise up a standard against him. 
in Ecclesiastes, Solomon writes, there's a season, there's a time. And he lists 28 seasons or times. There is a season to be born and a season to die. There's a season to plant, a season to uproot. A season to tear down, a season to build up. A season to weep, a season to laugh. A season to mourn, a season to dance. 28 times he, he contradicts two seasons. But not one time did he say, it's time to quit or give up or throw in the towel. Why? Because you have a God who loves you and a Savior who died for you and a Holy Spirit who wants to encourage and empower you and a plan and a purpose that he has ordained and destined for you. Can I encourage you, instead of thinking of the negative, take every thought captive and make it obedient to Jesus Christ and start thinking on things which are true and honest and just and pure and lovely and of good report. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Look, you want to slide into depression, you want to stay in depression and live at a frantic pace. Isolate yourself from others. Focus on the negatives. Here's another one, last one. Forget God's promises. Forget God's promises. During the during the three-year famine that Elijah went through, he was off in the desert in hiding, and God supernaturally provided him food and water. He brought, he brought meat and bread for three years from a raven. And for all you paleo people, can I emphasize bread? Paleo people don't eat bread. God's people eat bread. He had bread <laughs> with butter. Cinnamon butter. A raven brought Elijah bread and meat for three years. He, he got water out of a brook. When the raven flew off and the brook dried up, God took Elijah to Zarephath where he found a widow woman and her son who had enough flour and enough oil to make one more biscuit, and they were going to die. And Elijah prayed over it, and the, one, the little bit of flour and the little bit of oil God multiplied and stretched out where, where they were fed till the famine was over. And now Elijah gets to this place in his life, and he's like, he's like, where are you, God? What? I mean, he, goes into, he goes into amnesia. He forgets the provision and the faithfulness and the goodness of God. Can I, can I, can I just remind you again, you matter to God more than you think. Here, let me use this scripture to prove it. This is in red in your Bible. This is the words of Jesus. Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow. They don't reap. They don't store away in barns. They're not on that treadmill going 100 miles an hour. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? It's a rhetorical question. Jesus is saying, absolutely. You, you, do you realize you're the only, we are the only creation made in the image of God. We're the only thing that has a body, soul, and a spirit. We can relate to God because we've been, we were made for God and made like God. We're not little gods, but we have his image where we can connect with him spiritually on, on every level. Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And the answer is no. You, you can't do that. So why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the fields grow. They don't labor or spend. And put anything in there. Why do you worry about this? Why do you worry about that? God's going to take care of you. He's going to make a way. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. 
If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? Will he not much more take care of you? Sometimes I think when we're going through depression or when we're going through some challenges or difficulties, I think we think in our mind, God, where are you? Why have you left me? What, what, why have you checked out on me? What are you doing? And I just want to remind you, God, God's always there. And God doesn't want to, he don't want to replace let me say it this way. When Adam and Eve were in the garden and they blew it, God didn't say, oh, man, they're gone. They're out of here. Now, he didn't try to replace them. He tried to, he tried to heal them up. He tried to repair them. That was, his, that was his heart. That was his desire. I don't want to replace anybody. I want to repair somebody. Here, let me say it this way and try to illustrate it. Several decades ago, there was a guy pulled over on the side of the road with his hood up. And he was looking around the engine, couldn't get his car started. And another man drove up in a limo, and he gets out the back seat. He's dressed. Obviously, he's a man of wealth. And he goes to the car, and he says, hey, just hop in the seat. Uh, when I tell you to turn it over, turn it over. Let's see what happens. He dinks around for a little bit. Hey, give it a shot. Give it a try. He turns on it, and sure enough, it fires right up, closes the hood, and the guy comes out. Well, man, how much do I owe you? You don't owe me anything. Well, how did you do that? You look like you're a man of wealth. What, are you a mechanic? No, I'm Henry Ford, he said. I'm the one that created this car. I made this car. And I don't like it when it's not working right. It, 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 it bothers me that this car is not functioning the way I created it to. Do you know God is your creator today? And it bothers him that you're not functioning, that you're not living the way that he ordained or destined for you to do. And he's not come He's not come to replace you with a better model. He's come to repair you. He's come to make it better. He's because if he clothes the birds of the air and he feeds the if he clothes the lilies of the field and feeds the birds of the air, how much more does he care for you? It gives God great joy to see you overcoming and moving forward. Let me let me close. Have I said I'm going to close? This is really the closing, I promise. There's a story in the book of Job not the book of Job. It's Job. And Job lost everything in one day. He lost his health. He lost his wealth. He lost his children. And I'm sure in his mind, he's thinking, where are you, God? What, what, have you, what are you doing? Why have you forsaken me? Why have you left me? Unknown to him, God and Satan are having a conversation in heaven. And God has not left Job. God is bragging on Job. You think about it. God is asking Satan, have you considered my servant Job? Look at the way he fears me. Look at the way he honors me. Look at the way he loves me. That's a man that loves God and is committed to to my purposes. And Satan said, well, why? Sure he loves you. Why wouldn't he love you? You've hedged him in with so much blessing. You've given him so much wealth. You've provided for him supernaturally. You've given him some wonderful kids. Anybody could serve you in that environment. It's not recorded in Scripture, but I, if, if God didn't say this, he missed a great opportunity, and I think he might have. He looked at Satan and said, well, you couldn't. You couldn't live for me in that, uh, in that environment. You couldn't live for me when everything was perfect and well and no test. You know why I don't let the devil condemn me? Because because Satan couldn't live for Jesus when there is no sin or temptation 
and I'm living for God when there is temptation and sin all around me. Satan couldn't live for God when there was trials and tragedy and tears and difficulties. And we're saying, I'm going to count it all joy and consider it growth in my life. Satan couldn't live for God when everything was perfect and in order. And we're going after God with everything we've got. I'm not, I'm not letting the devil condemn me. Here, here's what God was saying. Job doesn't worship me because of. Job worships me in spite of. It's one thing to worship me when everything's going good and everything's feeling right and the cars are all working and the kids are all doing perfect. That's one thing. It's another thing to worship me in spite of. It's another thing to worship me when when there are tears and there are challenges and there are difficulties. But if you can learn to praise God in the pain, like Job, if you can say, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. You are moving out of depression and into freedom. Here, here's what I want you to know today. Here's what I really want you to know. Slow down and seek God. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added unto you. Make relationships a priority because two are better than one and a strand of three cannot easily be broken. Focus on the positive because this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it and remember his benefits. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits. Who forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases who redeems my life from the pit and crowns me with love and compassion, who satisfies my desires with good things so that my youth is renewed like the eagles. Amen, everybody.